I guess you know what I'm preaching on today. <laughs> Normally we have a heartwarming uh, video testimony from some member of our church. And I thought if I put it out there, how many of you would like to give a video on being offended? It might be too many. And uh, we wouldn't have time to do all of them. Or if, even if we single one of you out, it might be uncomfortable for you to get up here and give your testimony about being offended. So I chose uh, another route this week on uh, how you can learn to be offended so you can operate in such joy. <laughs> uh, you know, our culture has uh, taken this being offended to a new level. It's called the woke culture. And, and you know, but before the woke, the woke culture, there was already a culture of being offended. I mean, it goes way, 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 way back. I mean, to the beginning of time, pretty much. Uh, people getting offended. So everyone in this, in this place this morning, I'm going to guess that every one of you have been offended at some point in time, one time or a hundred times. I'm also going to guess that everybody in this room has offended somebody or saw lots of somebodies. Would you all agree that we've all been offended and we, we have offended? Uh, so when you saw the title of this sermon, uh, Freedom from Offense, it's not about football. Because I know some of the teams that we follow don't have any offense. And so, uh, I thought I'd throw that in there for the football fans. It's almost here. To be offended, listen, when I began to study this, I thought the surface stuff. To be offended, here's the surface things. It means you hurt somebody's feelings. You wound them. You upset them. You insult them. Disappoint them. You irritate them. Or you anger them. But when you really dig into what offense is, it gets, can go way, way, way deeper than that. So that's what I want us to look at this morning, uh, this thing called offense. Because if you are a person that is offended or has been offended, uh, and you live in that and you take up that offense, um, then you can be in bondage to it. See, all of us are going to be offended at one time or the other. The, the, the problem is if you're going to take it up. Have you ever heard that term, take up an offense? So you can take up the offense, hold on to the offense, and it can, be dis it can destroy you, destroy lives. So we're going to look at Scripture today, and many of you know it's in, I think it's like in three of the Gospels that Jesus dealt with this. But we're going to be looking in, in Luke chapter 17. So if you have your Bibles turned there, I encourage you to bring your Bibles or you put your Bibles on your, on your app or watch on, look at it on the screen. But it's good. Uh, you may have a different translation, and that's cool. Look it up and check it out. Follow, look up sermons later on and, and find out if I'm telling the truth, you know, check it out. Um, you know, the reason I'm preaching this series is because I love you and I want this church to go to the next level. I don't think if we, we can't really go to the next level that, that God wants us to go to unless we're free from all these things that we've been preaching about. God's laid these on my heart, freedom from a, a critical spirit, freedom from a religious spirit, our judgmental spirit, freedom from fear that, that Pam taught on Wednesday night. Uh, and all these things are, are bondages that hold us back from reaching our destiny and our purpose in Christ. Would you agree? So, and so this is, uh, so when I, when I preach this, when I teach this, I pray for revelation for you. Right now, I pray for revelation for each and every one of you. It's not about the person to your left or your right. It's not about the person that stayed home mad today. It's for you. Say, it's for me. me. We've got to really understand that because we are so prone to wanting somebody else fixed, but we're the ones that need fixing. And the only way you get fixed is listen to the Lord, listen to the Holy Spirit, and be obedient to what he says to do. That's how you get 
That's how you get whole. That's how you get healed. So Jesus says this in Luke 17. He says, Then he said to his disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. Now, I want to qualify this statement because if you take this statement by Jesus out of context, it can really mess with you. Because Jesus offended people all the time. All the time Jesus offended people. Because when he would preach, listen, he preached such, such hard in-your-face messages and he taught such hard in-your-face messages to the Jews and to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. All the people that were, would be gathered around him. It wasn't just his disciples, it was all these naysayers that would come around him. All these people that were very religious would come around him and he would, and he would preach the truth and he would preach it in love, but it would sound harsh. And he would offend people, and he offend, I offend people probably every Sunday when I preach. Every preacher that's preaching the truth will offend people. Now, if, if you're not preaching the truth, and you're just going to preach some nice, oh, feel-good message, this little how to, how to, fix, how to repair your, your car or something like that, a self-help little message, you will probably won't get offended. Unless you don't believe in cars, you know. But God is... He wants you to hear this today. He wants you to get revelation today of what it means to be offended and not take up the offense, even though it may sound like it's harsh. Listen, what, this is what Jesus said. I mean, Paul said in Romans 9.33, he quotes Isaiah 28.16. He says, As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense. That's Jesus, okay? And whoever believes on him, capital H, will not be put to shame. Paul was talking about Jesus Christ because he was a stumbling stone to the people that were hearing him. Listen, how many of you have ever stumbled over something? The older you get, the more you kind of think, you know. Stumble, how many of you ever just stumble on carpet? It's something about carpet that likes to grab certain souls. And I'll just be walking along preaching the word, you know, like, with emphasis. But here's what the thing is. When you stumble over something, listen to me. When you stumble over something, don't you go back and look and see what you stumbled over? Yeah? yeah. You know, when I fell in my front yard not too, not too long ago, I stumbled over this rock. I mean, this rock that was sticking up. Guess what? I haven't stumbled over it since. Because I went back and I looked at it. And I thought, Man, that thing sticks up a little bit higher than the rest of the stones. It was, it's one of those gardening stones. It sticks up a little bit higher, so I'm very careful. I step like, like five feet over it, you know. <laughs> But that's what we do when, there, when a stumbling stone comes in. It's a good stumbling stone like Jesus preaching the word or teaching the word or a pastor teaching or a preacher or a teacher teaching the word. And it kind of, you go, oh man, I don't know about that. I don't like that. You might want to look and see what you're stumbling over because it might be something bringing you correction. It might be something that you need to hear and change in your life. Does that make sense? So that's why Paul, that's why Jesus was saying, he, he was saying uh, this in a different context than what I'm telling you about what Paul said in Romans 9.33. So in our passage today, Jesus is talking about those who cause someone to stumble in their faith or he, they cause someone to, to sin. The Greek word for offense, and I don't usually give the Greek words because they usually can't pronounce them, but this one's an easy one. It's scandalon. Say scandalon. That's the Greek word for uh, offense, and it means a stumbling block or a trap or a snare or even the stick that holds up the trap that you pull. You remember you, anybody when you were a kid, 
uh, had a little uh, trap and you propped it up on a stick and you had a, string, you had a string and you got back and waited for the squirrel or the bird or whatever and you pulled the string, that would be pulling, that, that's, that's the snare. That, that's what he's talking about when he's talking about a stumbling block or a fence. But it means basically causing someone to stumble and this, and it's also in, in the most serious of ways, it's a betrayal. Say betrayal. It's almost as Jesus is saying here, this is an intentional trap that you're setting for some little one. He says this in Luke 2, 17, 2. It would be better for him if a millstone, anybody know what a millstone is? It is like a, it's like the mafia. Concrete block, okay? Cement block in the bottom of the bay, all right? He says it would be better if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend, say offend, offend, one of these little ones. And so you go, well, he's just talking about kids here. Not necessarily. If you look in 1 John, you'll, talk, you'll see where Jesus talked about little children. He's talking about us. In, in Corinthians, he talks about little children, babies in Christ. So he's talking about more than just children, which is, yes, for sure. That's If you saw The Sound of Freedom, you heard this line used in The Sound of Freedom. How many of you have seen the movie? And everybody else see that movie if you can but he used that line, it'd be better for a millstone tied around your neck than to harm one of these little ones. But it could also mean the least of these. It can also mean the, the most immature. It can mean brand new believers. We are not supposed to intentionally cause them to sin, to stumble. We are not to betray them. See, this goes beyond the scope of Christians offending. You know, when we talk about offense, when, and it, just like the video, we, we think offense as well. You know what? When I was walking up and, and I was going to shake the pastor's hand, he turned away from me. I did that this morning to a young man. He was walking up. And I, st- I started shaking his hand. And somebody got my attention over here and I had to go over here. Then I came back later and found him. I said, I got to shake your hand because I, I didn't want him to be offended. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Not that he would have been. Not that he would have been. But... It goes beyond, it doesn't, go to, it doesn't just stay with Christians offending Christians. It, it goes beyond that into cult leaders. It goes to false teachers. It goes to false prophets. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 15 and 16. He said, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves, and you will know them by their fruits. You'll know them by, your, by their fruits. So anybody, anybody can offend, but when you take it to this level, of trying to trick somebody or lead somebody away from Christ, especially if you're a Christian and you're trying to trap somebody, listen, Jesus said it's not going to be good for you. And listen, when Jesus gave, even in this passage we're going to read today, Jesus many times went to the extreme to make sure you knew what he was saying. And it didn't necessarily mean he was going to do that, but he was like, this is very important that you understand this. It's very important that you don't harm anyone. You know, this last, let me ask you this question. How many of you know that offending and being offended can destroy a relationship in a family, in a church? It can destroy unity in the body of Christ. How many of you believe that? This is an important subject. You really need to get it this morning. Because offense, taking up an offense is very serious. Offending people in, in the name of Jesus is very serious. These past few Sundays, we looked at things closely related. I already mentioned those. But there's a critical spirit. There's a religious spirit. There's a judgmental spirit uh, living in your past. All of these things. But you know what really it boils down to? It boils down to, let me see that book, honey. 
No, 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 that book. Yeah, that book. That, that one's a good too, the Bible. It boils down to this. The power of your words. Did you know you offend people more than any other way except it is most of the ways we offend people is, about, is by the power of our words. Okay? Let me read a scripture. We, we say this over and over and over, but people still are like, I don't get that. I don't get that. You know, I wasn't taught this when I was growing up. Well, you're getting, at, you're getting taught here at Freedom Fellowship. Probably every week you get a dose of this. Proverbs 18.21, and I'm reading from the Passion, just to give you a little, a little different look at it. Your words are so powerful that they will kill. Kill. Say kill. kill. Is that a pretty serious word? Yes. Okay. Your words are so powerful that they will kill or give life. Say give life. Give life. It even sounds better, doesn't it? Kill or give life. <laughs> Your words either kill or they give life. And listen to what he says rest. And the talkative person will reap the consequences. Woo, got real quiet then. Nobody wants to talk. <laughs> Pastor, you're a talkative person. I'm not really that talkative, he asked my wife. We live in a day and a time, especially because of social media, where everyone has an opinion. And they want everybody to know their opinion. Am I right? Yeah. How many of you just like get, you get to scrolling and you start looking at the stuff people are saying. You're just like, what is wrong with our society? What is wrong with everybody that they think that their opinion is better than anybody else's? And offense can come through our actions, our posts. Our texting, but most of all, it comes from our words, which those are actually a result of your words or what is hidden in your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's coming from your heart. So if you want to learn how not to offend, stop talking. <laughs> I found this passage I thought was really interesting in Ecclesiastes 5.1. Uh, this is the most... You know, the the wisest man on the earth. Walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to, to hear, to hear, rather than to give the sacrifice of fools. You'll see what that is in a minute. For they do not know that they do evil. Do not be rash with your mouth. And let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven and you on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Say that again. Say it with me. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes through much activity, and a fool's voice is known by his many words. How many of you know some pe uh, people that just never stop talking? And they're right here by me, Pastor, so I can't raise my hand. Don't point at him from here like, he's right here. <laughs> oh, my goodness. At least you're behind them, so that was all right. <laughs> it's those people that usually want to have the last word. Husbands, how many wives here have to have the last word in your conversations? Go ahead. Let's that's just that's get it out there in the open. Chicken. 
Oh, man. Oh, no. No, you want to destroy him? Man, you want to offend? You talk about being offended. <sighs> I'm just checking to see if y'all were going to do it. <laughs> Spirit of wisdom just came over the men. <laughs> you know, people that like to talk and want to have the last word, they're the kind that they like to debate everything. They want to tell you how you're wrong. And uh, they end up offending people a lot. So if you're one of those people with a run-on sentence, um, check it. All, all these messages are not just so we can have, get together and have a good laugh and go, well, you know, they're that way and they're that way. No, it's so we can grow up. It's so we can mature. We can get a guard on our mouth because we know life and death, death and life is in the power of the tongue. Man, if it's, more, it's so important that you get this. Women, you get this, but men, you get this too. The power of your words. They can kill or, or they can give life. So what is the root of someone who offends often or someone who is offended often? It's a four-letter word. S-E-L-F. Self. Say it. Self. The, the, the root of being offended or offending other people, it's because it's all about you. When it's all about us, guys, we offend people because we want our way. Or if, if it's all about us when they offend us because they didn't say exactly what we wanted to hear or we wanted to see, we get offended. And it's all, it comes back to this thing called self. A self problem can usually be identified with a person who is rude or inconsiderate. It's all about me. Why did you step in my way? Why did you get in my way? Why did you cut me off? You didn't have any right to do that. We, we, this, this is our society. This is the woke culture that we live in. It's all about me. Right? What do you need to do to get to the top? It doesn't matter. Just get there. And it becomes about us. Listen, we, we, we've become such an insensitive society. We've been so desensitized to goodness and kindness and all the things that God has put in, put in us by the, the fruit of the Spirit. We've been so desensitized because of the culture of our world that we go around offending people all the time and then we get offended all the time. See, it works both ways. Their offensive behavior stems from their self-centered attitude disregarding the feelings of others. And it can be masked, too. Sometimes it isn't that person that talks a lot, that offends a lot. But normally it is. Hurt feelings and offenses always have something to do with self. I didn't get my way. He was rude to me. <laughs> After all I did, they never said thank you. <laughs> I just don't, I don't get any recognition around here. I clean the house and nobody ever notices it. I'm at a meal, nobody ever said thank you for the meal. I get offended all the time. He didn't shake my hand. He took advantage of me. And on and on and on it goes. I've told this before, but it bears repeating. Um, there's a lot of new people here. But early on in my ministry, I used, 
I'm not saying I got it all together yet. I, sometimes I would I'd get my words backwards. And uh, it would be embarrassing. I'm just saying that. And one day I was preaching on a topic similar to this, I guess. And my question was supposed to be, how many of you believe that Christians can be demonized? That was my question. I had written down. But it came out, how many of you have been demonized by Christians? <laughs> Honestly. Hands went up everywhere. I mean, it was like, are you kidding me? And I would, I would equate that to being offended. I don't know. How many of you have been... It's, and I could ask some embarrassing questions. How many of you left the church angry? Don't, 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 don't. I haven't yet, but I might today. <laughs> How many of you have left offended at sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so or pastor so-and-so because they didn't do what you wanted them to do? And I know there are, there are great reasons to leave a church. There are reasons. They're, they're, maybe they quit preaching the truth or, or whatever. There's, there's a lot of reasons. But sometimes we leave hurt, offended. When new members come here, we uh, and, and they say, "Well, I, Pastor, I, I want to. I feel like I'm supposed to join here, and and we want to serve here." And one of the questions I always ask them is, "How did you leave here at the church? How did you leave it?" Well, we were angry. Well, then you need to make it right. You need to forgive them, or ask them to forgive whatever you need to do. Because listen, if you have left someplace angry or hurt or offended, and you haven't resolved it, which is what we're going to talk about today, you will bring it here. And if this isn't the right place and you're offended here, you'll take it to the next place. Y'all hearing me? So if you've got offenses and you left the fence, you left the, in a way that was not godly, wasn't honoring, wasn't respectful, then you need to make it right. I'm not saying how you do that. You have to ask Holy Spirit how you do that. But you've got to make it right. Getting back to this thing about self. And, and, you know, until I, I, I started studying this, I didn't really realize how much it was about ourselves. Um, people that are offended easily, a lot of times they feel sorry for themselves. It's all self, it's called, why don't we call it self-pity? It, it, it becomes about us. And so it's rooted in self. Uh, nobody cares about me. I'm not important. And in reality, offenses are really just a violation of your self-concerns, what you really want. That's why we call it self-pity. And it also manifests in a victim mentality. You know what I'm talking about? Have you, any of you have ever experienced the fact that you're just a victim and you got trapped in that, in the, into that mode or in that, in that place in your life is always about you're being a victim? And then you need to get free from that today. If, that's, if it's always always about you and you're the one that's hurt, you're the one that's offended, listen, today God's going to bring some freedom to you. Amen? Amen. I, I pray that. I pray that. Look at uh, verse 3, Luke 17. Jesus says this, Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Seven times? Again, Jesus is making a point here. It's rare. I, I don't know anybody that's ever 
come at me and, and, uh, and offended me and seven times or sinned against me seven times in one day that I had to, then they came back and asked me to forgive them. They repented and then I had to forgive. Seven times? I've never had that. Anybody? Well, don't raise your hand. Uh, <laughs> but he starts this verse out with, take heed to yourselves. I thought that was important. Go to 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Therefore, Paul says, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. See, when the offense takes place and you're, you're engaged in something that's offensive, then you need to take heed of yourself first and foremost. Why did this happen? How did this happen? What is my part in this? Because Jesus said it's, not, it's impossible that offenses shouldn't come, but it's what you do with the offense that makes a difference. That's why we have to guard our hearts, church, and how we respond to being offended. Because sometimes whenever they say, somebody says something to us, we want to lash back. And Jesus said, listen, before you take the speck out of their eye, you might want to get the log out of your own eye. And I'm not saying we deserve to be offended. I'm just saying sometimes somebody's speaking truth to you, and you don't want to hear truth. Just saying. Man, it's so quiet in here. I want to read Luke 17, 3 again. Take heed to yourselves if your brother sins against you or offends you. Now, that's, I wrote that in. Rebuke him, and that means to warn or correct him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Then the key to not taking up an offense is what? Forgive him. Forgive them. Forgiveness. It all, listen, the Bible is not that complicated. Salvation isn't that complicated. How we're supposed to live day to day is not that complicated. We're supposed to love God and love people. We're supposed to love ourselves. We're supposed to obey God. He says, my, my, my commands are not too burdensome. He says to forgive quickly. Forgive. If they've sinned against you, rebuke more. I'm saying, listen, don't, let's, let's, let's don't go there again. No, and, but, I, oh, I'm so sorry. Well, I forgive you. Let's restore our relationships. If that happens constantly in the church and you think somebody's offended you, but you go, no, 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 I'm not going to take that up. I forgive them. Then you listen. The, the body will continue to move and, and shake and, and, and as, as a unified body instead of a fractured body because he's now sitting on this side and she's sitting over there or vice versa because they're not talking to each other anymore. Listen, my brothers, that should not be in the house of God. Or at Walmart. You see a brother from this church or a sister from this church and something's happened and you think, man, I, if I just turn down this aisle, I will not have to see them. I'm going to have to go face to face with them. And inevitably, they come down that same aisle. Oh, hi, hi. How are you? Good, good. God bless you. Bye. No. I'm just saying that's the way it is. We, we avoid people because they've offended us. Is, is, there, is there unity in that? Is there any love there? Is there any forgiveness there? And yet we think that we've got the right. I've got the right to be offended. I've got the right to hold on to it. See, it's all about I, I, I. So Jesus said, you better take heed of yourself first. Take heed of yourself first. The key to not taking up an offense is forgiveness. Matthew 7, 23 so then if you are presenting a gift, this is Jesus, a gift before the altar, and suddenly you remember a quarrel, 
you have with a fellow believer, leave your gift there in front of the altar and go at once to apologize to the one who is offended. Then after you have reconciled, come to the altar and present your gifts. I've had people say, well, I don't have a ministry. <laughs> we all have a ministry. The ministry of reconciliation. You don't have to have a Ph.D. or a doctorate or a high school education. Nothing. Just have Holy Spirit in you. Be a child of the King. And you're a minister. You've been labeled. He's been, you've been called the minister and ambassador of reconciliation. That's bringing people back together. That's bringing people back to Christ. Reconciling them. It works both ways, church. We have an enemy. And his desire is to bring division in a body of believers. Look what Paul says in Ephesians 4. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Don't think, you think the church was perfect back then? Why do you think he had to put this down? Why do you think he had to go after the Corinthians and say, guys, you quit this quarreling, quit this fighting. You're fighting over the communion? Really? We need to bear with one another because none of us in this room are perfect. <clears throat> we all say things we shouldn't say. We all, we all give glances we probably shouldn't give. We all turn away from somebody that we shouldn't turn away from. But listen, the enemy will use every one of those things to bring division in the church. So you have to be Thick-skinned to be a Christian. Uh-oh. Did you know that? You really have to be thick-skinned. Because if you're not and everything hurts you, then you're going to be a hurt, wounded person all of your life, and you will never affect anybody for the kingdom of God. <clears throat> Luke 17, verse 5. I like this verse. See, it's a... Uh, It's separated. How many of you have your actual Bibles with you today? <clears throat> now, four and five, are they separated in your Bible? Yes. Under like a different heading? Yes. Well, see, I, I don't think they should be because they really weren't in the beginning. <laughs> there was no somebody coming along. Let's just let's name this topic for this part of it. Now, that wasn't there. Actually, there weren't even decimal. There weren't even periods and commas in, in the original. Did you all know that? Just a one, run, one long run on sentence. So here's Jesus saying, hey, if, you're, if your brother sins against you seven times, Austin, seven times in a day, and he comes back to you, and, you, and after you warned him, he repents, and you forgive him again and again and again and again, he said, you've got to keep doing it, you've got to keep doing it. And Jesus said, keep doing it, keep forgiving him. <clears throat> and so this is what I think the apostles, the, the, they said. And, and the apostles said to the Lord, Lord, increase our faith. You're asking way too much of us. How can we do that over and over and over again? Increase our faith. It takes faith to walk this walk, church. We walk by faith and not by sight. If we think we're going to get by by responding in our flesh all the time and not walking in faith and walking in the Spirit of God... We're sadly mistaken. Your flesh will get you in trouble every time. When somebody says something to you you don't like, your flesh will lash back at them. 
But in the spirit, by faith, you say, you know what? I'm not going to allow that to happen to me. And I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. I'm a child of the king. I've got the fruit of the spirit in me. It's love, joy, peace, kindness, kindness, graciousness. It's, 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 it's patience. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, long-suffering. It doesn't matter what happens because I am covered by the blood and I'm walking in the spirit of God by faith. Say, by faith. Everything we do by, is by faith, church. So if you're offended all the time, you're not walking in faith. Matter of fact, you're walking probably in a lot of fear, a lot of condemnation of yourself because you've, maybe sometimes you think you deserve it. I don't know. They said, Lord, increase our faith. Then he goes on and tells them about having the mustard seed, the faith of a mustard seed. Go ahead and read it for yourself. We're not going to go there today. Self causes us to be offended and to offend, and less of self and more of God will have to be our cry. We need Paul's attitude when he said this in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live what? By what? Man, that was just so weak. I want to read it again. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Listen to this. This is Paul, but this should be us. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live in the Son of God. It's not just faith. It's faith in God. It's faith in the Son of God. He's the object of our faith. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Dead men don't get offended. Did you hear me? Dead people, dead women, dead men. Dead, if we are dead to self and alive in Christ, we don't get offended. How many of you have watched or been through the, the series with John Bevere of the bait of Satan? That's I mean, I'm putting this sermon, I, I barely looked at it, but I just watched one video clip, like a five-minute video clip, because it's an amazing series. It's amazing uh, 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 curriculum, the bait of Satan, because he knows what uh, offense can do to the church, how it can destroy the church. And he said, really, if, you are dead to, if you're dead, like Paul's talking about being dead, you will never get offended. You will never take up the offense. You may get offended, but you won't take up the offense. Now, I don't know. That sounds almost like impossible, right? Because our flesh sometimes wants to rise up. But he said, let's, as best we can, guys, ladies. See, I offended someone. I just said, guys, I didn't say ladies. <laughs> it's so easy, really. It's just so easy. But if we will take the position that I don't have a right to get offended... I don't have a right to be mad. I don't have a right to get angry. I don't have a right to think I need revenge. I'm telling you, the enemy will lose battle after battle after battle after battle in this place. Dead men don't get offended. It's really when we die to self that we are able to let offenses go. To be quick to forgive and to recognize the faith in us to forgive. And it comes from God who gave us the faith. It comes from the one who forgave us of how many of our sins? All of our sins. 
You know, if you can just get that in your mind, what right do I have to hold on to sin or something else somebody's done to me when God didn't hold on to any of mine? He cast them as far as east is from west. He put, it, he, he put them into the sea of forgetfulness. He does not remember our sins. And yet we, we have a little counter of how many sins somebody's committed against us. You know, in the, the book of uh, 1 Corinthians 13, it says, Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Well, I remember when old Joe, he did this to me back in 1983, and I'll never forget it. One of these days, I'm going to get even. Yeah. That's a saying from the pit of hell, right? We used to sing a song way back in the day. Uh, And the chorus said this. It's all about you, Jesus. And all this is for you, for your glory and your fame. It's not about me that you should do things my way. Because you alone are God and I surrender to your will. It isn't about us. I know that's easy to say and not as easy to do, but it isn't about us. God's way is to love and to forgive. God's way is to surrender and submit ourselves to Him. Would you stand?